Bangers and hash. And welcome back to the couch, our favorite potatoes, for a beautiful, exciting, fun episode of this, the exclusive episode of Bangers and Hash. Yeah. Share it with your friends, let them know what they're missing out on, because they sure are missing out. But don't let them download it. Just like, you can can view this, but you can't download it. (laughs) <laughs> listen listen to it with them take take like five to ten minutes and listen to a, a certain funny portion of the yeah, episode just one and then part. stop it yeah and yeah. it's like if you want more stop it real quick five dollar yeah five dollar a month five dollar <laughs> <laughs> five dollar uh, or, or wait or it's actually we, tree fitty oh uh, i think we were talking about making bangers and hash uh part of the two dollar yeah yeah we are spot. sure yeah yeah I, I yeah, think because the vote is I for think everybody. that will hopefully yeah bring more people in and if you guys have any ideas about how to bring more people in to our our little fun community well we think it's fun anyways <clears throat> you know we really appreciate you your patronage so that we can keep on going Indeed. you know it would be great to make the show larger but with the, to do that we need more capital so if you guys have any ideas or can uh spread word of mouth or you know do what you feel is appropriate look us up with it. an advertisement company yeah if anybody knows anything about that the the real thing is that we don't know how to market at all yeah we're, we're trying we're, we're, we're trying to pick up the pace a little bit yeah we'll get there we'll figure yeah, it out we'll, figure we'll put it. our noses to the grindstones well i know you don't have a nose but we'll put it to the grindstone and we'll get it all yeah. figured out and straighten the course of this here podcast that's right straighten it uphill that is that's right it's already going pretty straight but we're gonna get it we're gonna get climbing but we're gonna we're gonna make it queer right now (laughs) oh yeah baby uh they are the faceless uh, leon (laughs) and they are the green traveler from gorsh i thought i was gonna get it in that time this is bangers (laughs) and hash Thank you for coming and and being patrons. Yeah, a new yeah. yeah we get we get two theme songs now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna start off with something that I actually finished probably in January, uh, and uh, didn't get around to to sharing about it. Uh, last time we we met i think i was trying to like save the best for last and then i was like oh i'm gonna want to talk about this one we're gonna want to talk about this one because i'm talking about (laughs) titans so titans dc yeah it's a hbo max series i believe it started on a cable channel but it ended up yeah uh i guess this is it's going to be its last season and they have been taking a long mid-season hiatus so there will be a few more episodes to wrap it up on but this season the first part of this season very good i will break it down a little bit and yeah we might be here for a little bit so we hope you like superheroes um (laughs) (laughs) so it stars uh uh, this is based off dc comics teen titans uh if if you don't know anything about dc but as adults Uh, but as adults ish some of them are still teenagers 
Dick Grayson, however, is very much not. And uh, Dick Grayson is portrayed by uh, Brenton Thwaites? Thwaites? Probably Thwaites. There it is. Thwaites? Maybe. Maybe. (laughs) Um, He... uh, And might I say, Nightwing is, of course, as I've mentioned on this podcast a long time ago, my all-time favorite comic book character. Yes. So the main reason I haven't watched this show is because I always worry about how he's going to be adapted. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, and and I think you would be so-so on it, and that's kind of disappointing. Uh, I His character, his version grew on me, but he was never a very funny guy. They did the same thing they right. did with Arrow, where they made him very broody. They because made him Batman. They made him Batman. Uh, which, with the storyline that they're going with, for his story arc throughout the four seasons... That does kind of make sense. Like, the storyline they're going for is that Batman turned Dick into a weapon. And he is trying to recover from that and figure out what he wants to be. So, at first, he tries to be a cop. And, you know, every once in a while, he'll break bad and still do some vigilante stuff. And he's really brutal. Like, this is, like, really brutal Robin, guys. And he's still Robin (laughs) at this point when he does his vigilante justice. And uh, he gets gets wanted in Detroit for doing some, for beating up some crooks. And uh, he's on the police force in Detroit at the same time. Uh, yeah, that's another thing. In Detroit. <laughs> in Detroit. Damn. Yeah, not. They, they didn't do even blood fake heaven. up a bloodhaven. Yeah, no. Anyhow, while he is on the force, he he tries to help out kids and teen and teens uh, mostly because he's got a soft spot for them. You know, he in this verse he was a teenager when his parents died and he was taken in by Bruce. So he has a soft spot for kids. In, in a tough spot. So he runs into Rachel Roth, uh, also known as Raven, played by Tegan Croft. And she uh, just had her mother killed in front of her by these people who are chasing her. And it turns out that they are a cult to her father. <laughs> yeah. So her, her father, Trigon, is an interdimensional being, a demon, uh, so-called. Yeah. And he is trying to break through to our realm. And that is the main plot of the first season is Trigon. Yeah. And it's pretty, it's pretty good. I think a pretty good opening for adaptation of this, but uh, it's also classic take. When you look at the teen Titans, they're like a, they're they're their own version of a D and D group. And yeah, kind of. (laughs) Yeah. You hear demon as the first villain. You're just like, Ooh, that's pretty powerful. Yeah. And then it's like, you face way tougher things after that. Who, or yeah. more realistic or grounded usually yeah, which it's is very really interesting weird. yeah it is strange so along the way uh we meet Corey anders played by anna diop and uh yeah it's two 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 words and she believes that she is uh, an investigator in the fbi but she doesn't have any actual memory so she's she's <laughs> trying to figure out what's going on, uh, but she knows it has something to do with Rachel Roth's character. So uh, when I say two words, people who read the comics know that uh, I'm talking about Coriander, yeah. who is also star known as Starfire, and she is she's an an, an alien, 
And she, in in this story, I I will spoil it because, you know, there's four seasons. She was sent on a mission to kill Raven because she's part of a prophecy. Ooh. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Do they have a romantic relationship with Nightwing? Yes, they do. They do, but it's kind of off and on again. Well, um, that's how it should be. He should be okay. getting with Batgirl every now and then as well. So, well, he, Donna Troy is in this as well. Wow, he's stepping up his game. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. So Donna Man. Troy, Donna Troy as uh, Wonder Girl uh, is playing uh, Ugh, Connor Leslie. Yeah, and she does too. She sh- kind of shows that a little bit. Uh, who else do they meet in the first season though? Donna Troy is in the first season, as well as Don Granger. And Hank Hall, the reverse of that would be Hawk and Dove, so Dove and Hawk. Um, <laughs> and gotcha. that's played by interesting. Minka Kelly and Alan Richson. So in this version of Titans, there had already been a team under that name with Robin in it that collapsed. And this is this really where the second season comes in. That team included Hawk and Dove, Wonder Girl, and sometimes Aqualad. Nice. Garth, the Garth Aqualad. So they fell apart because they went up against Deathstroke and, yeah, bad things happened. And they're like, no, fuck that. And then after this event with Rachel and everything, he decides, this being Dick, decides to get Titans up and running again. The band back together again. Get the band back together again, but he's doing it with these new characters. So, uh, with these younger uh, kids, and he's going to just be the leader. He's, He's also trying to step back as Robin, because Jason Todd is also a character. Jason, (laughs) so, yes. um, Apparently, uh, in this world... It did not take Bruce very long to find Jason Todd. And uh, Jason Todd played by Curran Walters, by the way. And he is just a total brat. Kind of what you would imagine for a young... Yeah, Jason Todd uh, being that he becomes the Red Hood. Which, that's the third season. Spoilers. Nice. Um, I like that. <laughs> so, so, out of curiosity, then, did they have their own Deathstroke and Joker? Does the show cast, they they cast do, their own versions? Uh, they, uh, you know what? I don't know that they actually ever show the Joker. Um, except okay. for from a distance, uh, where he's beating uh, Jason Todd. Yeah. Um, As he should. As he should. Let me see if they have him <laughs> Sorry, in Jason. the cast list, but I doubt it. Yeah, if That's he's in there, right. he's very low I, in there. But they do have their own their own joke, uh, Deathstroke, though. That's right, and I, I'm going to find him. So it's not Jason Manginelli or whatever? That it, that's right, it is not. Uh, it is uh, Isai Morales. Um, oh, okay, I like him. I I've, I don't know if I recall him from anything, but he kind of reco- reminds me of uh, Broyles. Is that that's not right? He's in um, uh, uh, <laughs> Justin Broyles. He's on. He's he's Sorry. the uh, he's a crossword clue quite a lot. Oh, is I do he? the yeah. I do the Washington Post crossword every morning, and, and okay. I feel like I only know him for that, honestly, because it's like it's it's like every single time it's just like actor blank Morales. I'm like, yes, I. 
<laughs> like, I know this one. I know this it's got one. Got all the vowels they need. Yeah, that's probably it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he played Slade Wilson, Deathstroke, who is like the world's best mercenary. Uh he was in this oh, version, yeah. he was experimented on when he was in the military and it gave him more super abilities like like agility and strength but still still not like to the point where he's flash or superman he's just also very skilled right one of the few people who who beats batman in the comics as it should be as it should be. oh in the comics you're right right. in the the show (laughs) Uh, so there is also a batman in this uh they don't actually i don't think ever show him in the bat suit but Bruce Wayne is played by uh, Ian Glenn. He is from Game of Thrones. He plays Jorah Mon- Mormont. Ah, okay. Yeah, and and, and honestly, I quite liked it. Uh, I, yeah. I, I I quite liked it. Now you could tell his American accent is is passing. I'll say, um, <laughs> uh, but other than that, he's he's great. He's always. You know, he's, he's, um, I don't know what the phrase is, but he's very Shakespearean in his delivery, but you know, he, he, he knows how to say a line and he, he, he does a very good job. So going back to the second season, still, we do get introduced to Superboy, Connor Kent, a clone of both Superman and Lex Luthor in this yeah he is portrayed by joshua orpin and at first he's like definitely playing this like fish out of water baby face kind of character uh and then by the where we're at now he's really showing more tendencies towards the lex side of things i will say uh where we leave off his his storyline so that's interesting and also we have gar logan also named beast boy he's a first season character this is actually where doom patrol uh span off from this show i had no idea they're in one episode of titans (laughs) and they so gar was a part of them timothy dalton was not niles everybody else was the same cast though from the show they adopt gar into the titans from doom patrol (laughs) so i thought that was really weird (laughs) that i I had watched doom patrol before this not even knowing that it was a spinoff how are the effects on beast boy are they good uh the first couple the first couple seasons i'm gonna say not really but he only turns into a tiger oh yeah and i think that's to to be cheap but you know like i think they were going to get like give him more of an arc but really, they didn't touch into it until the, this season, gotcha. um, where yeah. he 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 has finally figured out how to use all of his abilities. Like at the top, like I think the first episode of the fourth season, they show him using a a, a tentacle to to bowl with. Like he can change his <laughs> limbs independently now. So he goes from only being gotcha. able to be a, tar- a tiger to being able to do whatever the fuck Beast Boy wants to do. Oh, silly. Yeah. So. They they explain his powers by saying that he has the ability to rearrange his DNA. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so who God. else who else do I need to mention that's uh, a, a member? Well, Barbara Gordon is the in this, but she is Commissioner Good. Gordon 
in the in the show, and Ooh, she is in a wheelchair. So the events of uh, the Killing Joke or whichever uh, storyline, I think it's Killing Joke. Right. Savannah Welch plays her. Uh, also has a love affair with Dick Grayson. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, I think that's more in the past. But you know, I'm still, I'm still on that boat. I know that's a '90s thing, and yeah. I know it, most people are. I, I guess a lot of fans are over it and don't want him to be with Barbara, uh, Batgirl. But I'm all for Barbara mm-hmm. and, and Dick. Nice. I did also just remember that Dawn, being Dove, also has an affair with Dick. So Dick gets around. Hell yeah! Good job, Dick. <laughs> See, at least they got that right. I'm really happy about that. So, okay. So, I didn't even say what is going on in the the fourth season. I explained that the first, Trigon. Second is Deathstroke. Third, Red Hood. And now the fourth is the Blood Cult with Brother Blood. Ah, and and gotcha. uh, Mother Chaos. So, I I don't know that I know yeah. this character very well, but she like seems mildly full circle, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Yes. In fact, uh, they bring up a relationship between Brother Blood and Raven. Also, Lex Luthor is th- also thrown into the mix of this. They have a Lex Luthor. Let me see if I can find. Is it John Cryer? Oh, I don't I'm, I'm still know. surprised that John Cryer was fucking uh, Alan from Two and a Half Men was the fucking CW's Lex <laughs> Luthor. I hear he was good. I stopped That's watching so all those silly. shows before he came out. I had no yeah, it's, idea. It's very funny. That's yeah. That's he looks really good for the role, honestly. I am not finding Lex. To be fair, he was only in two episodes. There he is, Titus Welliver. And he's interesting. Oh, mm. dude, I think it's the, it's the smoke monster. I mean, the 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 man in black or whatever. Titus Welliver from Lost. Oh, yeah, it, it is the smoke monster. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, he could he could be a pretty good Lex. I see it. Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't quite recognize him because he went totally shaved, you know, and also grew this interesting beard thing that was very dark in color. It's hot. I like that. Yeah. Anyways, in this, these couple of episodes that he is in, he knows that he's dying and he reaches out to Connor because he knows Connor's in Metropolis. Honestly, Connor came to Metropolis to visit Superman, but Superman had to go beyond lois and clark save the universe (laughs) gotcha yeah he's uh yeah and connor's like well you know he's an important guy that's good enough for me that we had planned this i'm sure it'll happen one day and then lex is like hey i want to meet you and he's like i don't know i don't know you're the guy (laughs) who had me like being made in in a lab Yeah, but they do meet, and, like, it is a very interesting scene where you're like, man, maybe there is some really interesting angles of humanity with this Lex Luthor. In the next episode, he's dead. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you think. That's what I think, yes. that. Well, I I don't think that, actually. I'm trying to save as much as I can for people but anyhow i I am uh i do enjoy it i can see some purists not being happy with it and there is definitely some dragging moments i think in the second season which is upsetting because that's the deathstroke season but you know that that happens in second seasons of shows so 
that's my story. I give it a face, and I have. I'm sad that they're ending it, but I understand. Yeah, James Gunn coming in, he's sweeping the floors there. Yeah, yeah. No, I get it. I've I've wanted to watch it, but as I said, like I, I looked up the interpretation of Nightwing, and from what I've read, I knew I would be upset because. Nightwing's supposed to be a happy camper. Yeah, he is. And he by the time he becomes Nightwing, he is more so. That's good. I mean, even even when he was young, you know, it's like in most of the things that I've always read of Nightwing, he is trying to make jokes. He's trying right. to be happy. He's trying to keep people happy. He's trying to help as much as he can. And the dude goes through so much shit. Like he is he has seen so much tragedy. He's been through so many fucking trials with Batman. Like, no matter which run you read, Dick Grayson goes through shit. Like, he, he always has a tragic story, but he always is trying to be positive. He takes after, yeah. he takes a lot after Superman. And, and the fact that he is trying to be, you know, a good person to do good things. Like, yeah. even the name Nightwing, I mean, it depends on which version you read, but he gets the name Nightwing from Superman because, you know, he's telling Superman he wants to be out, set out on his own. He wants to be his own man. And and Superman tells him a story of these two heroes he knew on a different distant planet. One of them was named Nightwing. And, mm. you know, after that, Dick Grayson's like, yeah, I'm, I like that. You know, that was a, it was an empowering story. It was a hopeful story. I'm going to take the name Nightwing. You know, nice. I'm going to be my own man and do my own thing and, and not be under Bruce's shadow. But, I mean, I'm very interested in the show. But it's it's one of those that's far down on my list right now, mainly because it's it's so broody. Like, I yeah. know that DC comics are typically broody. It gets less so, but at the same time, the way that it becomes campy is, it, like, it takes a while for that to feel comfortable. Yeah. Like, it tries to yeah. start off hyper-realistic and, and, and become campy, and that doesn't work very well. Yeah. And that's my that's my problem is like it seems like most people who step into a DC Comics story, not just like a comic book, but like a movie that is, they always think they have to take one of two routes, either dark and broody like Arrow or super campy like, you know, Tim Burton's Batman. Yeah. And it's just like it'd be fine to be Tim Burton's Batman, like to just keep doing DC stuff like that. But there's so much more to it. That's why I'm excited yeah. about James Gunn because he has a very interesting way of telling a story that can be emotional and fun and not feel campy right. or seriously yeah. moody. Also, and it's like, I'm excited even for the that Marvel movies, even the Marvel movies recently, like they're branching into trying to make them more genre movies that just so happen to be mm -hmm. superhero movies. And and yeah. I really appreciate that because we all know that you can get tired of a formula even yeah, if exactly. you raised on the formula it, you said no no mommy's teeth for me <laughs> just the formula <laughs> <laughs> you get tired of yeah it getting uh, to, to segue off of that you know i'll i'll jump into my marvel film in the day the big one that came out ant-man and the wasp Quantumania, uh, directed by Peyton Reed, written by Jeff 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 Loveness Loveness. Uh, you got, got your, four your Jeffs you know. in there, huh? I, <laughs> sorry, I was struggling I'm on sorry. that name. <laughs> I looked at it and saw Jack, and I was like, "That's not Jack, it's Jeff." But no, um, brings uh, people's sexiest man from a couple years ago, Paul Rudd, back to the stage as the the titular hero, Ant Man. Everybody knows and loves Ant-Man, right? Um, yeah. Here's my thing with it. Um, Ant-Man 1. I don't really remember much. I remember the villain. 
uh, Yellow Jacket or Daryl. Wait, he's back? Oh, the first one, the first movie. No, no. Yeah, I remember the first yeah. one. <laughs> but uh, the second one, the only thing I really remember, the second one is the Wasp. And I fell in love with the Wasp. And I was like, more of her, please, because it's Evangeline Lily from, from right. Lost. From The Hobbit. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're right. Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted more of them. Like, I, I like I like Evangeline Lily, and I love The Wasp. The Wasp was so much more bad. Sorry sorry to Paul Rudd and Ant-Man, but The Wasp was very badass and got shit done. And, right. you know, she's... He's kind of a goof. Yeah, and she's all she's long been a member of the, of the Avengers, like, in the comics, that is. Mm-hmm. So it was nice to see a, a, an actual good really strong wasp you know and she took a lot of a lot of center play in the second one from what i remember at least that was what you know i only remember wasp i mean the movie was called ant-man and the wasp this one is technically ant-man and the wasp quantumania but everybody's just calling it ant-man quantumania so you know is the title actually ant-man and the wasp yeah 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 yeah. And, and it's it's honestly poorly named because sadly even though the wasp has a lot to do in this film it is an ant-man film and it's 100% an Ant-Man film. Like, he has all the big moments. But we have our third daughter of Ant-Man. And by that, I mean the third actor to play Cassie Lang. This time it's <laughs> Catherine Newton. Different different girl in the first Ant-Man movie. Different girl in Ant-Man and the Wasp, as well as Captain America. I think they had a Civil War, that is. I think they had the same Cassie Lang for those two films. If I'm remembering, I can't remember what other movie she was in. But yeah, this is the third time we've had a, a an actress change here, so that's they're too whatever. old. I, they're I, too I, old I, to be Paul yeah. Rudd's daughter anymore. <laughs> they're they're changing too much. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, this, this time she's eighteen year years later. old. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, this time she's much older. I mean, it's still that like eight, I don't know. I don't know how old she's been. I you know it's yeah. the blip happened and it fucked everything up. Oh, that's right, uh, Jesus. But yeah, now she she is smart. She's intelligent. She is skipping school and getting arrested just like her father was. Yeah. Um. But and, and you know, so he has he has some issues with that. But he's also got a you know, Ant Man's got a bit of a, a a complex now. Or you know, he's just like I'm an Avenger. I fought with uh, you know Captain America and the airfield during Civil War. And I helped fight uh, defeat Thanos. You know, it's like without me. You know, all this blip shit wouldn't, you know, wouldn't have been resolved because I was fucking stuck in the quantum realm, blah, 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 watch Endgame. And it's just like, you know, he's got, he's got a big head about him now. I mean, he's not too braggy, you know, he's still, he is still lovable he's little Ant-Man. An Avenger. He's an Avenger, damn it. And he's getting recognized. People know his face now. He wrote a book about, oh. his, you know, what he did. Ah, uh, yep. He got, he got that, that book money. And, uh, but the problem is... You know, he's, he's feeling slightly estranged from his growing daughter, who uh, is, is setting out on her own uh, and, and is very interested in the quantum realm. And she wants to, she, you know, she wants to, to get a burst of pride out of her father. And she shows him this signal, this uh, like satellite kind of thing that can map the quantum realm for them. They can shoot a signal down there. And from the from the response or whatever, they can map it out. The problem is when... Uh, Oh, what's her old name? Janet Van Dyne, Hank Pym's wife, uh, played by Michelle Pfeiffer, who they found in the second one, if you'll remember. Uh, the problem is, when she hears that they're shooting a signal down there, she starts to freak the fuck out and says, don't do that. And once she starts to panic, they all get sucked into the quantum realm. Her, Ant-Man and his daughter, the Wasp, as well as Hank Pym, and a bunch of ants. 
a bunch of ants get sucked in there. It's really sad. <laughs> I only mention that because they do become important to the plot. I won't spoil how, but they do. And it's good shit. It's really good like shit. Like the goats in uh, Love and Thunder? No, they're very. they're far more important than them. How could you be more important than the goats in Love and Thunder? That's fair. I understand. <laughs> but. <laughs> oh, my God. That movie. That was, that was something else. Yeah, that was. But Hank Pym, by the way, played by Michael Douglas, uh, same as the last three films. You know, they've kept him, thankfully. And he's great as Hank Pym. I love him because um, he's, you know, he likes ants. That's his main. That's his only character traits. I like ants. He says that a lot. <laughs> I like ants. Fuck off. I like ants. <laughs> But the uh, the problem is they're all stuck in the quantum realm. They're all kind of separated. You know, Ant-Man is with his daughter and the other three, uh, Hank and his wife, as well as the Wasp, are all stuck in their own worlds. And so they're kind of trying to find each other and get the fuck out. And they're trying to get the fuck out because uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, Hank's wife, she uh, she left something in the quantum realm that she was hoping to leave trapped in the quantum realm. And she does not want that something getting out. If you've seen the trailer, I'm about to say it. You've, you've definitely heard about it. If you don't know anything, la, la, then la, tune la, out la, now. La, I'm not listening. You know it. I don't. You know it. <laughs> you've seen the trailer. Have I? I, I definitely shared it. And we've definitely talked about it. What she left down there was Kang the Conqueror. Oh, okay. Or a version of Kang yeah, the Conqueror. Played by Jonathan Majors. I'm enjoying his performances he's putting out because he's, you know, he's played King already and Loki. He played the one who remains in Loki. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's very exciting to see what they're doing with this character. I will say that I'm not as excited. He doesn't seem like I know he's supposed to be the next Thanos level thing. He doesn't, he doesn't quite feel that way right now. He seems like he's, you know, uh, not as, not as intimidating, I will say. So it's it's going to be interesting how they build off of his character. Obviously, I won't spoil. <laughs> he doesn't have to be as intimidating to be equally as life threatening. Exactly. That I mean, that's true. I'm just meaning from a from a performance standpoint, from like as an audience member watching it. Even though I love Jonathan Majors and I'm excited for what is coming with Kang, I'm not like. I don't know, like antsy, because like, when when I mean I wasn't really antsy about Thanos either, but that's what I'm trying to get across is when when I watched Infinity War, I was like, it's, oh my god, this is so exciting! They've been building to this for like ten years. I can't wait. And then it, you know, you see him on screen, and it, like his first action is killing fucking Loki, yeah. and it's just like, oh my god, like this guy means sh business. And then like you know. Once Endgame happened, it was the same thing where I was very excited for what they're going to, you know, do with this character. And I didn't really like what they did, but that's fine. But like, uh, with Kang, you know, coming into Ant-Man knowing he was in it because of the trailer, I gotta say, I was just like, I was excited for Jonathan Majors more than I was excited for Kang the Conqueror because they haven't really done much to, you know, establish this character. I am excited about, yeah. yeah. So hopefully we get m more. I do like how, okay, so. The little tastes that we got with Thanos were such little tastes until he yeah, was a yeah. character. At least Jonathan Major's been getting scenes. That's true. And he's been knocking his scenes out of the ballpark. He does have... Uh, it, like, I love Josh Brolin's Thanos... Don't get me wrong. Yes, but there is just like there's I like tried a, to a, say his a, name seven times earlier in this episode. <laughs> Josh Brolin. <laughs> 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 yeah he's jonathan majors has this like this icy 
intimidation about him. Like he's very suave and, and calm. And then when he loses his shit, he loses his shit and you're kind of scared. But like, yeah, I really do enjoy because he's also giving like because this isn't the one who remains. Right. So right. it's like the the version of Kang we saw in Loki. This is a different version. This is a version that's been trapped in the quantum realm. So it's just like, you know, he's been down there for a while and he's he's pretty fucking T.O.'d, let's say, for the kids. Yeah. So yeah. it's just like for the kids on this Patreon. <laughs> I will I won't spoil any more than that. I will say Bill Murray has a cameo in this and I really hated it. Okay. It was the most Bill Murray performance ever, which is to say like all he did was just do himself and yeah. I'm honestly kind of tired of it. Like I want you know if if he's going to do things, I want him to actually try because that's what you want from people and it, it just felt so wooden and out of place and like the his whole scene i was just like can we get him off the screen now and cut back to like scott and his his daughter because i'm really fucking tired of this shit and like yeah ouch. you know it has those moments it, this movie got like hurt by the critics they hated it it was like 50 percent critics liked it and then like 80 percent of the audience liked it so it was a huge disparity between yeah. critics and and audience I think it was better than what the critics are saying. I'm giving it three stars. They're they're really killing it. There's a lot of people who said that, you know, it's like, if if Marvel, you know, if Ant-Man is a sign of what's coming with Marvel, we should all start panicking right now. And I'm like, I think that's crazy. Like, it, it was fine. It's not a bad movie. It wraps, like, it, it, it does Ant-Man decent justice for a trilogy. You know, he's got some pretty good moments in this. I like what they're doing with his daughter. It seems like they're trying to, you know, set up a whole new Avengers crew. And, you know, I can see someday his daughter, you know, taking over. Um, so it's like, you know, they're, they're building characters. Jonathan Majors killed it. Like, you know, it's not it's not as bad as as the uh, the critics are saying. There's one character I want to talk about a lot, but I won't. He's, he's the character I love the most about this whole movie. Uh, he had all the the best moments in my opinion, but it, it's a big spoiler, so I won't talk about it. But my God, when you see the movie, you'll know who I'm talking about because it's the one person I didn't talk about who deserved to be talked about. <laughs> <laughs> well, three stars. People are obviously watching it. Yeah, should I rush out to the theater? It, I mean, it really depends on how much you like the marvel movies if you're if you're dying it they'll catch them to be. yeah it used to be yeah that I was exactly it's it's them. like it's like that now you know it'll it's be, kind of it's kind of saturated Disney plus eventually yeah exactly yeah. In, in a couple months yeah yeah but yeah I, I i would say either you know wait for disney or if they drive up drive-in theater ever opens mm. go there you know yeah maybe soon because yeah. uh, it is feeling warmer but we'll have another winter here soon uh, so, <laughs> sticking with Disney, uh, I, being we, me and my wife, watched uh, National Treasure, The Edge of History. <laughs> Thank um, you for doing this. <laughs> edge, edge of History, not The Edge. Uh, I wanted to watch it because, you know, we did the movies, and right. I, I wanted to know, I wanted to know. And, uh, you know, it, it is definitely more young adult. I don't know if the mo- you can say the movies aren't, but the movies are definitely, you know, they're built towards family friendly, but they like, you know, adults can enjoy it. And I, I wouldn't say that adults wouldn't enjoy this. In fact, it's about four or five or well, five college aged peoples. And 
they kind of stumble upon a mystery and Jess uh, Valenzuela, the main character played by Lisetta Oliveira, she likes to solve mysteries and her father apparently was a treasure hunter and it all turns out that he was a part of this organization to actually protect this treasure called something about the lady serpent um i don't remember (laughs) exactly anyhow you know she gets deeper into this mystery she finds out that it has to do a lot with the things that she had heard about growing up and so it is a much more a Native American treasure than the other two, even though the the second one definitely was a Native American yeah. treasure. But the thing is that they focus more on like the Native American sites. Uh, this this being, I don't think they go to South America, but it mostly uh, the Aztec and Mayan uh, stuff, and they. Gotcha. They they do actually visit three different areas to collect these boxes that are magnets that come undone and make this big map, you know? Ooh, um, nice. Yeah. So what, the first thing that happens is somehow she meets up with Agent Sandusky, the guy from oh, the, okay. the movies. Yeah. He's a very old man. It's Harvey uh, Keitel. He, he's a very old man. He's apparently started having dementia. And, oh, um, man. yeah. And he starts rambling on about this treasure to her. Uh, so that's how she gets started on it because he dies the next day. Uh, Peter Sandusky oh. does. And they believe that he was murdered because they know that somebody else is looking for the treasure. That somebody else is. Billy Pierce. Billy Pierce played by Catherine Zeta-Jones. And uh, yes, and she it has like all the funding in the world to research this treasure and is part of another organization that's been looking for it that maybe is a part of the same organization. I don't know. It's it's hard it's that it's hard to explain, but she has team members, the main one being uh Casey Hass- Hassler. Uh, played by Brita Wool, and this woman is a badass. <laughs> nice. she, she's got some of the best scenes just beating up people. Uh, that that was a lot of fun to watch. Anyhow, on the good guy team, there is a, dress is a part of these this group of four friends, uh, which includes Tasha Rivers, played by Zuri Reed, Oren Bradley, played by Antonio Cipriano. And Ethan Chow, played by Jordan Rodriguez. They, you know, they grew up together. Her mom, who died of cancer a few years before the start of the show, they all felt like they were, she was kind of their, their aunt, you know, um, that, that, that kind of really close growing up relationship. Now, they also protect Jess because they are all aware that she is an undocumented person in the states so you know they all help her out Oren, maybe it's ethan i don't remember maybe it's both of them i think Oren and ethan are both studying to become lawyers 
and Tasha is some kind of computer whiz. I don't, I don't remember. She hacks some things in the show. Uh, nice. Yeah. I watched gotta this a little while back. There. Yeah, gotta have your tech guy. Um, and and uh, another fun. Th- so Tasha and Oren are also in a relationship. They break up at the very beginning of the show, but you know that they, they obviously still like each other and get back together. Right. Um, but a funny Classic. thing about Oren is that. He is absolutely in love with sneakers. Like, he's that person. <laughs> that he brushes them twice a day. That that kind of thing. Oh, my God. Yeah. Jesus. And he, he bids outrageous amount of money on, on his sneakers and has a huge collection. It gets them in trouble. And that, that part is... Oh, okay. I, them making it that's part good. of the plot was fun. Yeah, that's good. I was going to say, yeah. it sounds like a character, uh, a personality trait similar to Ryan and Doctor Who, uh, uh-huh. the one more modern companion who uh, had trouble riding a bike. He had an imbalance issue, oh, so he would yes. always fall down yeah. when he tried to ride a bike. And I'm just like, what is the point of this this personality trait? And they, t- they bring it up a lot, and it never ties into the plot, like, ever. <laughs> and I was just like, I was like, that is so stupid. But at least at least this one, they tied into the plot. They, like, they do. Uh, it, it is a, a fu- funny way that they do. But another thing that happens is... They all go to Mexico to for another clue, and the only one that comes back is Oren. And the FBI at this point are looking into Jess and her friends for the murder of Peter Sandusky. Oh. Yeah, so Agent Ross is like the main agent that we follow, and she doesn't really think that it's them, but she's being pushed by some evidence and things that her boss says to look into jess but jess is the one who tipped the agency off that peter might have been murdered so she's like something's not quite fitting here but agent ross is played by lyndon smith so where was i oh yeah yes she comes to Oren and is like so you just went to mexico and you know we're looking for jess and all them and they're not in town so what were you guys doing down there? And he's like, well, if they're in Mexico, I don't know anything about that. I was down there for a sneaker convention. I'm... <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I don't know what else to say about this besides that, you know, it, it, it builds just like, you know, an action adventure mystery does just very much like the um movies that it's based off of we don't have ben uh whatever gates. their last name and ben gates in this but we do have whatever his name is roland Ra- randy i don't fucking remember riley 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 Thank pool you. riley pool played by justin bartha he is in nice. this and he almost dies That's with good. jess so you know good. he gets in there just to <laughs> almost die so yeah what do you rate it yeah so it was interesting up until the last episode which had a very very weird pace to it and it also was very cliche uh you know more cliche than the endings of the national treasure movies and it it really kind of marred what i thought could be a good show so I, I just give it a face like it's watchable yeah. if there's 
there's more of it, I don't think I'm going to go back to it. The ending was just not great. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm well, happy about you it. watched it. That's that's a that's one of those shows that I was very intrigued by, but was not going to touch with a ten foot pole. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I was, I'm happy to get an opinion on it because you know that's good. It was okay. Decent performances. Yeah. I'm gonna quickly try to get through uh, these two. It's it's this is in preparation for next month's Bangers and Hash. I see. There is a a new film coming out that I'm very excited for called Creed Three. Um, so to prepare our lovely patrons for when I talk about Creed Three and I have to talk about these two films, let me talk Creed and Creed Two. If you have seen and love Rocky, but got tired of the Rocky films because they made six of them. <laughs> You know, you can watch, I would say watch Rocky 1 and Rocky 2 and Rocky 4. I And, and I guess Rocky Balboa Rocky is good. 3. I don't, uh, it, it, nothing really. I'm just not a big, like, I'm honestly, I don't even remember Rocky 2. So I would honestly say Rocky and Rocky 4 because those are the ones I remember. Those are the ones we had on VHS. <laughs> yeah. I remember Mr. T was in, it was in one of the other ones. I just don't he remember which one. third one. Uh, I believe okay. the second one was the rematch between him and Apollo Creed, where he actually nice. wins. <gasps> Spoilers for Rocky! Oh, yeah! Because he lost. <laughs> yeah. If you don't know, Rocky lost in the first one. And that's important to note, because it's uh, this the Creed franchise is really liking to do you know homage to the, the, the previous franchise, while being its own thing. And that's kind of like the, the whole air of Creed. Um, it follows the son of Apollo Creed, uh, Adonis Creed, played amazingly by Michael B. Jordan. This is probably where I first came across Michael B. Jordan. It's at least where I remember hmm. him. And he doesn't know his father. His father died in Rocky IV uh, when he went up against uh, Ivan Drago. Then it was it was a Cold War, you know, it, it's yes. a spoof on the Cold War kind of America versus Russia. And you know when uh, when Ivan Drago goes up against Apollo Creed. He kills him in the ring. Yeah. And, it, you know, it ends with Rocky taking revenge by beating Ivan Drago and, you know, and, and winning the war for America. And, you know, we, we, we are the champions and all that good. Of the shit. world. Of the world, baby. <laughs> um, but Michael B. Jordan, Donnie Creed. Uh, sorry, Adonis. I'll call him Adonis. Donnie's for his friends. Oh, we're not his friends. <laughs> it just no, it just doesn't sound right. Like Donnie, because Adonis is what they call him in the ring and everything, you know. So it's just I, I like that name too, Adonis. It's a good name. Um, but you know, he grew up estranged. You know, he grew up in an orphanage. Uh, he, he was the son of uh, an affair. Yeah, Apollo Creed had an affair with uh, this one lady that you know that spawned uh, Adonis. A spawn. I believe she died. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I, I feel I, I believe uh, she passed away, and he was he grew up in orphanages, you know, and and you know he kind of got into crime a bit, you know, because it's just a hard life when you're yeah. when you're you know young like that in in an orphanage. I've read Charles Dickens, and <laughs> uh, lo and behold, before he becomes you know uh, he's in his teenage years, I believe, when Apollo Creed's wife. Where's Felicia Rashad? There she is, Marianne Creed. Apollo's wife, Marianne Creed, played amazingly by Felicia Rashad. Uh, she comes in, she tracks him down, she finds him, and she adopts him because you know it, it, it's not her biological kid, right? But it was Apollo's, and she, you know she she still loves him for that, right. you know. And so she she adopts him, she raises him, 
and she tries very hard to make sure he doesn't become a boxer but god damn it he just does you know he he wants to he wants to do that he wants to be his his own name and you know for the first one he's kind of struggling with living he doesn't want to be called creed he doesn't want people to even know that he's of of the creed uh lineage he calls himself uh, adonis johnson and uh, before his first big bout, you know, it, it slips out. People are just like, oh, this is actually Apollo, you know, Apollo Creed's kid. This is Adonis Creed. And so it, it kind of upsets him because, you know, he wanted to be his own name. He right. didn't want the legacy of his father hanging over him. But contrary to that, he goes out and finds a trainer in the form of Rocky Balboa, played by Sylvester Stallone. And this is one of the best performances from Sylvester Stallone too in this in, in the first Creed. It movie. is really good. It's so good, so good. Sylvester Stallone is you know he's retired. Uh, he's got his career behind him. If I recall correctly, Sylvester plays Rocky quite a bit slower than in the previous films. Like like Rocky's was never the most intelligent person. But, in fact, no, I believe that they comment on it quite a bit in the first movie. And, and like, this is a character he created. Like, he yes. wrote the first Rocky film. That was another question I had for you. Did he have a hand in writing the Creed films? No. So, uh, well, not this one. He did in the second one. Uh, Creed Two was written by him and somebody else, um, Jewel Taylor. It, that was the second one. Him and Jewel Taylor wrote that one. Sadly, he's not going to be in the third one for issues with okay. the producer so it's, it's very sad that yeah there's a lot of issues going on i don't know much about it so i'm not gonna you know comment on it but it's his fucking characters you know he he created i mean right. to be fair adonis creed is not his but apollo creed like rocky those are those are people he created this is a world he created yeah and you know he's carried it pretty far you know it's it's a good franchise it's got some pretty good films 100%. like i mean I mean, Rocky Four is a bit of a joke, but like I enjoy it. It's it's a fun joke, you know. It's it's a very enjoyable boxer film. But Creed and Creed Two are great boxer films. Like no joke about them at all. Um, and the first one, after getting Rocky to agree to be his trainer, Apollo starts to you know train for this big fight where he's gonna go up against the uh, like the all time or a two time. I can't remember what it was, but you know he's a he's a a formidable boxer. And uh, uh, he's a champion of some sorts. I don't remember which. He's a world champion of some sorts, like lightweight or something. But he's Pretty Ricky Conlon, played by Tony Bellew. Pretty Ricky? Pretty Ricky. Pretty Ricky. Gotcha. Pretty Ricky Conlon. Real name Ricky Conlon, but he's a pretty Ricky boy. Ricky Ticky Tavy. Um, <laughs> pretty Ricky Ticky Tavy. <laughs> it's too much. <laughs> but... But yeah, that's that's the big fight in the first one. He's trying to prove his name, trying to make his own legacy. Spoilers, I will say, he does lose at the end. But he wins dun, the night. Dun, and it's that's that's yeah. the that's the, the the famous quote from the first one is, you know, Apollo Creed or Adonis Creed might have lost the round, but he won the night. You know, it's it's a really good moment. I really love the first one. I give it three stars. It's it's really fucking good. The fighting is amazing, and the cinematography, I wanted to call specific cinematography, too. Uh, Maurice Alberti, and uh, the music also is from Ludwig Gorenson. We've talked about him. He's really iconic. He's a good good score composer. Um, but I love the cinematography from Maurice. Like, I don't, I, like, it's hard to get a good fight scene. And especially in, in, you know, in boxing, because you're in a closed ring, you're centering around two guys, but she fucking nailed it in that first movie. It's, it's so entertaining. Um, there's also a love interest in the form of Tessa Thompson play, or sorry, 
Tessa Thompson is the actor. Uh, she's playing Bianca, who is a singer but has a hearing impairment. Um, she's slowly losing her hearing, but you know Adonis doesn't care. He's madly in love, and with with Rocky as his trainer and his you know his coach, he starts calling him Unc all the time for Uncle. You know, Rocky is very much like, you know, love the fight, love everything about it, but be there for your family. And that's mm-hmm. like, you know, as an older man, at least not not so much in the Rocky films, but as an older man, he's just like, I'm, you know, I'm in my 60s or my 70s or whatever. Looking back on it, don't choose the fight over your family. You know, yeah. he's like, be there for your family. But when you're going to fight, keep them out of your head or use them for inspiration, however you need. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But it's it's really good. Rocky, I will say, has uh, cancer as well. So the first film deals with that. Very emotional, good shit. The quickly to, to quickly quickly touch upon the second one. That's the rematch where it ties into Rocky Four so heavily. That's why I talked a lot about Rocky Four. Is in the second one, Adonis Creed is going up against the son of Ivan Drago. Oh God, Victor Drago, played Victor by Drago. Florian Montanu. And uh, Florian Montanu is an actual fighter, um, I believe. Oh. Yeah, he's a, a, a Romanian boxer. And, like, so that's, that was really funny. He's a stacked dude. And when Adonis is standing up against the man who – or is the son of the man who killed his father, uh, you know, he he's definitely looks like the underdog. And th- that movie deals a lot with, like, what he has to – you know, the, the legacy he has to live up to. Because in the second one, Adonis Creed is the the world champion now. He he starts off the movie by beating the the previous guy and taking the title, and then now he gets challenged by the son of the man who killed his father. And so it's, it's kind of like everybody's like, you don't have to do this. This guy is you know stronger than you. He fights meaner than you. Like you know it's, this isn't a fight that you have to take. Don't feel like you have to like you're dishonoring your father's memory by not you know not trying to avenge him if you will. And I really love the take on it. It's it's really good. Um, they also do bring in Dolph Lundgren as Ivan Drago nice. again. Nice, great performance. Like his uh, you know Ivan Drago is very cold to his son. He's very much I am the trainer. You know you are you are doing this to bring honor back to our name because I fucking ruined the honor of our name in Rocky Four because and of the like, drugs. <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> they had a better gym man <laughs> and it's just like it's good it's really good stuff i really do like creed 2 it's not as quite as good as the first one but um and it's also directed the first one was directed by ryan coogler ryan coogler couldn't direct the second one because he was doing black panther so they got um what was his name stephen copel jr and he, he does a good job it's not as riveting in in terms of like quality as the first one i think the first one looked better and felt better as a fighter movie this one has you know a little rougher moments around the edges but i do i still do enjoy it and i'm very excited for creed 3 because it's got jonathan majors <laughs> thank you i was struggling with his name i was like jm yeah jonathan majors and he got ripped for this fucking movie i cannot he wait to see good. it once i on did the big see screen. that trailer it looks so good yeah Okay, what you rate it? Oh, I didn't read the the second one. I rated the first one with a three. The second one still gets a three, but it's like a, a lightly lower three. Gotcha, you know? gotcha. Yeah, I understand. Well, let's take that water pop break, and then we'll let's come back it. and talk about more shows and movies. 
Uh, do you guys you like know, that idea? You like it? Okay. You better. You better. <laughs> you don't have to listen if you don't want to. All right, bye. <laughs> <laughs>
in the desert i think <laughs> i don't recall actually this first season i was gonna say, oh, okay yeah i was gonna say i don't know if the show says specifically in the comics he uh cut him off when he sold hell to or when he gave the keys to hell to right. dream right uh that yeah that definitely dream is not a part of this uh morpheus yeah. is not a part of it this is uh he just leaves he says i am tired of of being this is like to to this lucifer this has been a punishment, a, an eternity long punishment that they don't feel that they necessarily deserve. Yes, they led a, a rebellion against God, but that was such a long <laughs> time ago. Uh, so yeah. he he leaves, and uh, you know he he feels that he doesn't owe it, it to God to continue doing that role. He's tired of it. Uh, and he wants to go live it up on the surface. So that's what he's doing. He's not necessarily bored, but he uh, is very routine in his debauchery. And Chloe Decker comes in with this case and he realizes that his superpower, which is to have other people reveal to him their truest desire, does not work on Chloe Decker. And Ooh. so he, he is intrigued why that's the case so he becomes her partner her consult first just a consultant uh but then her partner because you know being able to find out what people want is pretty useful in the yeah. interrogation room <laughs> um and so yeah they they start solving a whole lot of crimes together and she like for chloe lucifer is a mystery in and of himself because obviously his real name isn't lucifer morningstar it's samuel <laughs> um <laughs> which is a joke later in the show too so yeah she wants to know what's up with him there's like no records of him going back more than five years and uh he just is a nightclub owner that's just what it is so she's yeah. trying to figure that out and he never once lies to anybody he is straight up. He tells them, well, I am the devil. And uh, <laughs> and, and, and the his bravado and nonchalance about it makes it feel like it's a persona that he's putting on. So it's just like it's it's hiding in plain sight, smokescreen kind of stuff, you know. So to get in a little bit more about Chloe Decker, she has an ex-husband who is also a detective in the same police office or whatever you call it uh his name is dan espinoza played by kevin alejandro and they have a child together uh whose name is trixie played by scarlett estevez and lucifer just hates kids but for some (laughs) reason trixie loves him so you know immediately dan I say ex-husband, but in the first season, they're not quite divorced yet. They're trying to work things out. Dan immediately thinks that Lucifer and Chloe are sleeping together because Lucifer is trying to get desperately into Chloe's pants. And that causes some problems with them, you know, with Trixie being involved because he's like, I don't want this... (laughs) weird ass nightclub owner that you know nothing about to be in our house with our daughter and you know and also he's just very jealous more characters uh so (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Lucifer ends up meeting, well, him and Chloe both end up meeting Dr. Linda Martin, played by Rachel Harris. And if you've watched Parks and Rec, she's uh, Ron Swanson's ex-wife. Um, I have an idea. I have not yeah. watched the show, but okay. I have an idea who that is. Okay. She's great in this. Um, and she becomes Lucifer's psychiatrist. And, and you know, she, and once again, Lucifer never lies. So from her perspective, she's like, okay, I have this man who truly believes that he's Lucifer. <laughs> Let's see where this goes. And, uh, yeah, uh, she's like the, for the one who he reveals his devil face to first. And when she sees it, she like straight up freaks out because it breaks her reality, you know, and she oh, interesting. Yes. So she, uh, you know, she is not able to console him for quite some time because she's freaking out. Do you do you get to see his devil's face? Yes. Is it's it? something that he can in at least in the early scenes he can turn on and off. But it's not it's not like very pretty boy. It's 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 actually no, like demonic. He is a pretty boy. Uh, but his devil face, like which he uses to intimidate people in hell, is yeah. is ugly and and, and deformed. Yeah. Um uh, I don't like that. I don't like well, that at all. See it He's supposed to be the most beautiful angel. He like he's pretty hot <laughs> i know i know I, I know what the actor looks like i would just assume that his devil face would be even more like mm. done up with like handsomeness so i don't like that it, he, they made him it in made it this ugly. in this the angels which there are a lot of angels i haven't gotten into that yet the angels self-actualize their powers they don't know this they all believe that their powers are gifts from god so when he when he went to hell, when he was sent to hell, he believed that God gave him this tool to help punish people, which really gotcha. he just was at the time seeing himself as a monster. And yeah. and and that stuck with him. So, it, you know, it, it, that, of course, evolves as the show goes on. Um, I like what they do with that anyways. Uh, one of the main angels who is, you know, fourth build is Amenadale. And he is played by D.B. Woodside. And uh, there's a lot of bits about um, <laughs> them being brothers because he inter Lucifer always introduces him in a deal as his brother. And D.B. Woodside is, is very much a black man. And so everybody <laughs> has to comment on it. And every single time I'm like, have you guys never heard of adoption? Have you guys <laughs> n like never heard of mixed uh, heritages? You know, like Tom, right. Tom Ellis does not necessarily look like the whitest white boy in the world. Like what the fuck guys? <laughs> like every single time they bring it up. That's it's the one thing that I'm like, what? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> it's just an easy joke for the writers. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Uh, another character that I want to bring up is Ella Lopez. She's uh, one of the forensic scientists. She's played by Amy Garcia, and she's a very fun, stereotypical nerd, but I, I love her because she's very kind-hearted. And mm -hmm. uh, uh, she there's a lot of interesting things about Faith in the show, too. And she is a Christian when she's first introduced in the show and kind of waffles back and forth with that with different things that happen to her. Like, she does accidentally date 
a serial killer at one point. So, you know, Ooh. that, that kind of fucks Love with it. you and how you see the world. <laughs> um, so they, they do, they do cool things with that. And, you know, Lucifer, obviously like when he learns she's a, a Christian, he's like, oh, okay, whatever. Uh, he's not so great. <laughs> if you ask me, dad's not so great. That's what he says. Um, <laughs> so they also bring in Charlotte. I don't want to really get into her story cause it, it will be spoilers, but I do want to give Tricia Helfer a shout out because the character she plays requires a lot of range. And, it, and I thought she did a good job. You also have Kane as a character uh, and that's Tom Welling, who you might recognize that name from Smallville. He played Superman okay. in Smallville. Yep. So he, I think, almost killed the show. I'm sorry, Tom. Um, because <laughs> they did, I think it was a CW show to start. And the last, I think, three seasons were on Netflix. So I think... Oh, gotcha. Yes. I'm, I'm sorry, Tom. You did well as Clark Kent, I think. But I just, I feel like you're kind of, you're not the, the most talented, and I'm, I apologize. <laughs> he's never coming on the show now. <laughs> no, he's not. I'm so sorry. But anyhow, he just, like, I still enjoyed his part of the show, because everyone seemed to be getting along with Tom on set. Like, everyone, like, the scenes seemed like people were having a good time it's just that i don't know he's just a very one note actor and i and i didn't yeah. think it worked for what they were trying to do with kane but that's fair eve is also a character played by Inbar <laughs> <laughs> lavi probably lavi excuse me but she becomes a more long-term character in the last couple seasons and it's funny because she's definitely younger than than tom welling <laughs> <laughs> but whatever and there's this prophecy in one of the last seasons where when the devil's first love walks the earth when the devil walks the earth and he meets his first love then something terrible is going to happen yada yada and that's when they introduce Eve. And it's like, oh, he was the serpent. And they were lovers. Yada, yada. Sweet. Yeah. It's, like it's a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. I thought the ending, oh, man, it, it's one of the better wrapped up packages that sixth season uh, from movies, from TV shows like this that I'd seen. Uh, and I think nice. they did a good job of keeping that through lines trajectory going. You know, a lot of times that drops off in these kind of shows and, and doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. And I think they did a good job of keeping that pressure steady. Um, so I'm going to give it a face and a half. I really enjoyed it. I, I, I enjoyed nice. it a lot more than I thought I was going to. Hell yeah. yeah. I like that. Yeah, I, uh, it's always been one of those shows I've wanted to watch just because I like the source material. You know, Sandman's my thing. Right. And, you know, the, I've read some of the Luther comics that have come from it. More of the, the more recent ones I've read, which were okay. Gotcha. But they hinted at something great before that. And when I wanted to research what was before that, I came across the TV show and was like, oh, this sounds so good. Somebody described it as feeling similar in style to, uh, to the X-Files. Where it's like sure. it's episodic and there's a through line. I mean, it's not it's not like obviously about aliens and it doesn't have like a heavy uh, it's 90s not feel, as but... not as dramatic either. It's a lot yeah, more fun. Yeah. It's it's yeah yeah that's that's just how they described it to me. It was like it's ep it's episodic, 
but there's a as you said there's a through line there's a very you know, there's something always line. building yeah. per season yeah so like i always like it obviously i think the guy who plays luther i, I think he's hot well, i do he think is. he's hot but he's not he's hot in a way that's not you know pretty angel boy hot like uh, yeah. you know like in the comics when when you see lucifer they're so goddamn handsome mm-hmm. and then when they become lucifer on earth they look more rugged they're still very attractive mm. and handsome but it looks like they look more like a, yeah, i've been I traveling a long yeah. way tired yeah yeah and so I, I really enjoyed that but yeah i'll definitely check it out sometime it's it's on the list it's far down the list though. i enjoyed it i did nice yeah, yeah. All right. Um, I will go into. Let's do knock at the cabin. We'll do knock at the cabin. Uh, M Night Shyamalan's latest. I will say up front, it is upper tier M Night Shyamalan. So if you've been nice. feeling dragged down by M Night and you you question the man, I understand his his style has lived on, but his stories have not. You know. <laughs> uh, yeah, we uh, were just talking about the last Airbender the other day. <laughs> oh god yeah that's his that's his worst obviously he oh, knows it too that's the bottom yeah uh, yeah yeah well but i mean like he had a heyday and ever since he's been trying to bring back you know bring himself right. back up to prominence and i love the man i think he is one of the better directors out interesting. there yes yeah he's he has a very beautiful personality uh, obviously he might do something that'll get him canceled in which case i'll take all these words back but <laughs> <laughs> but from what i know of him he loves his actors he loves you know he works well with them he gets decent performances he has great mind for storytelling i will admit yeah. it's just sometimes his stories just aren't you know aren't that riveting they're not as compelling like fucking the happening what the hell man like i i can't believe i i still want to rewatch that movie because i think it's hilarious as shit um, it is a eco-friendly film okay <laughs> <laughs> sure sure is <laughs> but yeah knock at the cabin i was really excited for i've read one novel by um paul s trimbley i don't remember what it's called um it was a it was a demonic possession type of novel I want to say I had something about whispers in the title. I can't remember. Oh, I guess I could just fucking look it up real quick. So this is who the, he's adapting? Yeah, this is his novel that he wrote. A Head Full of Ghosts. That's what I read. A Head Full of Ghosts. That's interesting. It was really good. It, it was a very intriguing um, possession tale. And what I liked about it is it was vague. You know, it was, it was one of those stories where it's like, I don't know if she's possessed by a demon, but it sure does seem like if, you, if this were a horror movie. You know, and, and I really enjoyed that about Knock at the Cabin because M. Night Shyamalan is very much not vague. He, he goes at this story with a, with a strict, this is what's going on style. Um, I think it could have helped if it was vague. I've heard the novel is very vague and I'm very excited to read it because the idea is a gay couple played by Jonathan Graff as Eric. And Ben Aldridge as Andrew. Um, I, I know Jonathan Graff, or sorry, Jonathan Groff. I know him familiar. from the Hamilton. Um, he was in the the Disney Plus version okay. of Hamilton. You know that the live yeah. performance he played the king. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, love. I love Jonathan Groff. He's a great actor. Him, uh, Eric, and Andrew are a gay couple who go out to a cabin in the woods with their daughter. I believe it's Sabrina. Let me double check that. Nope, it's not Sabrina. It is Kristen Cuey playing Wynn, I think. Let me double find the name. Yep, Wynn. Yes. 
Uh, I believe this is her first performance. I'm honestly not sure. M. Night has a really good way of bringing out good child performances. Very much the same here. She does a really good job. Um, she is their adopted daughter. Uh, she is Asian. They are white. And so there's, you know, they, they as a gay couple and as, you know, as the backstory of this film, because they do a lot of like flashback kind of things, as it all portrays, they have faced a lot of harassment. And, you know, especially with an Asian adopted daughter, you know, they, they're constantly living in a world where they're, you know, where they're always attacked and they, they always feel on their toes, but they're very loving, hopeful people. And they're at this cabin enjoying a family vacation when four people come upon them with strange weapons. And these four people are Dave Bautista playing Leonard, Nikki Amuka Bird playing Sabrina, Abby Quinn as Adrian and Rupert Grant, Ronald Weasley. Sorry, I know he doesn't like that, but that's who I know him for. <laughs> Rupert Grant as Redmond. And they are all the the most odd type of uh, home invaders that you've ever seen. Um, because, you know, Dave Bautista is their leader, Leonard. Mm-hmm. He's obviously the biggest. He's got the muscles and everything. He's a second grade gym teacher. And he is the, Ah. like, he's a kind soul. He's a very nice person. He doesn't want to be attacking them. But there they are. They're all attacking. And when they get into the house, when they capture uh, Eric and Andrew and their daughter, Wynn, they basically tie them up to chairs and tell them that one of them must die. And they, as a family, have to choose who to sacrifice. And if they do not make the choice and they do not sacrifice one of them, the world will end. They are the four horsemen of the apocalypse. They've been given these visions. They know what's going to happen. They know their purpose, their goal. And it's to make this family choose somebody to, to kill, basically. And that's the story. The The story basically takes place only in this cabin. There's, there's flashback moments, like I said, where they're in different locations. But for the most part, they're in this cabin in the woods. And they're being, you know, they're, they're surrounded by these, these yeah. crazy people. Telling them to make this impossible decision. That's fucked up. Now again, up. <laughs> yeah, M Night M Night takes a very straightforward stance. You know, he uh, his story is very much, you know, something's gonna happen. I will I will say that the, his story. I mean, if you just watch the trailer, there's there's shots of actual apocalyptic footage. You know, so it's like you know it's it's it seems real. Yeah. In the book, I'm told it's very vague. And I'm very excited to read the book because that sounds really cool. Yeah, I like that does. idea. Yeah. It's like you don't know if there's an actual apocalypse happen. These strange people who have you tied to a chair are telling you have to kill either your husband or your daughter. Yeah. And you know, you're just you're just left to make this decision not knowing if actual people's lives are at stake outside of the cabin, that is. Yeah. And it's wow. it's a very intriguing idea. M Night handles it pretty well. It's it's very fascinating. I give it three stars. I will say this is the best performance I've seen from Dave Bautista. Nice. Like, I'm so excited that he's getting out of the Marvel. You know, honestly, his Blade Runner 2049, it's a very tiny role. But, it's but I love that role. Yeah, he's really good. And here he's he's bringing that emotion back to this. Like, it's, it's a very emotional role for this guy because he doesn't want to be attacking this couple out in the woods. He doesn't he's want to death. be scaring this little girl. <laughs> he's just death. He he's been given a vision of the destruction of the world, and he just doesn't want that to happen. 
So he's just doing what he's this is been very interested made to believe. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna have to watch that as soon as I can. That sounds really good. Yeah. Two two things that you said that made me really interested in it is uh, high tier M Night Shyamalan and best performance of Dave Bautista. That that sounds like yeah. uh, a really good mix. So I, I'm excited to watch that one. Yeah, when I say high tier too, just to to tamper the expectations, it's like fifth or sixth best of his you okay know, it's not, but that's still fair yeah it's not like six cents or or unbreakable or signs like it's, right. it's a little lower than those right it's below village and lady of the water or above those you, you really like the lady in the water i that's am intrigued thing. by lady in the water <laughs> uh all right, all right. Okay, uh, I have Alrighty. one more for us. This is a uh, a, a mini series, uh, a docu series ish. Have you ever heard of Paul T. Goldman? I want to say yes, but at the same time, that just sounds like a, a you know a specific a very, name that just yeah, yeah a very a, a vague name. But Paul T. Goldman is a, is a man. A real life man. It's not his given name. I I don't remember his given name, but he decided that Goldman was a better name. And does he have um, Goldman Sachs? No. Okay. <laughs> no. He um has written his claim to fame is some Amazon published um novels. The first uh-huh. one is supposedly nonfiction, with the names of people changed, for uh, security's sake. However, yeah. anyhow. What happened to Paul T. Goldman is that he married this woman. Uh, he claims to help him raise his son. And her name, this isn't her real name, but in the book, she's Audrey Munson. And in, when they're portraying this in scenes, so it's, it's so strange. So it's part, it's part docuseries and part them filming the screenplays that he wrote about his own novels okay (laughs) and so they got actors to play all these parts uh and melinda mcgraw plays audrey munson his his wife and paul t goldman plays paul t goldman and so you know everyone else can act and you know not i mean he's not an actor so uh you know i'm not going to judge him for not being able to act but is just so strange and just it just <laughs> makes you laugh but it also gives you that like oh no paul feeling you know what i mean like yeah. oh no paul i'm sorry that oh gosh uh yeah you, it's sympathetic anxiety yes sympathetic anxiety is exactly the term so he got married to audrey and she said at that at first it had to be a part-time marriage so that she could go half of the week you know a couple towns away to take care of her mother who is in her 90s and dying and he said and he was okay with that because he figured you know that's that's a very temporary thing and she started complaining that they were having sex too much even though they're only married three days of the week and that was (laughs) that was upsetting to 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 paul but also like people if they don't want to have sex shouldn't have to have sex period (sighs) but anyhow that i digress he finds out that she was never going to this other town she was 
going to the trailer park that she used to live at and collecting and she just was being away from him and, and living a, a second life and she also tries to scam him out of money she says i need a check written out to bs insurance and and she sa- and she says it's blue shield right and oh sure yeah, yeah. <laughs> i was thinking bullshit <laughs> yes and so he writes the first check it gets cashed and whatever a couple weeks later she says oh i need this much money again to 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 bs and and he's like okay sure b it's bs it's bcbs that's what it was blue cross blue shield and so this time him being a little suspicious wrote it out to blue cross blue shield and she comes back to him the next day saying that they contacted her that it needed to be written out to bcbs and he's and he's like okay first off we sent it out on a Friday, and it's Saturday, and I don't think that they got it that fast. But sure, I'll write a new check. And he writes a new uh. check. He writes a new check, and he also calls for a hold on the check because he's suspicious, right? So yeah, she comes back the next day. And says, hey, they said they were having trouble with that ca- check. And he said, it's Sunday. They're not open. <laughs> he finds out that she made her own LLC, this BCBS, oh to, in order to get money off of him. So they separate, you know, because he's getting cheated. And then he, he sues her. But he also comes up with all this evidence against her where he believes that she is a prostitute but not only that that she is a matron of a prostitution ring and is involved in sex trafficking and 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 he does this by getting some pis involved in stuff and they're like you know there is some damning evidence there are some things that we heard and the the reason why he thinks it's international sex trafficking is because she finds out that this whole time before he, she even knew him, he, she was dating this guy named Royce Rocco, who in the scenes is portrayed by W. Earl Brown. And that's also not his real name, obviously. And he goes through this guy's trash to try to see if he can get any evidence on him. And he finds a picture of a, a South Asian, Asian lady and tickets from that region to the States. And so he he decides that this guy is involved in sex trafficking. Anyhow, he after he sues her for for getting her out of money, he brings all this stuff up at court too. And they're like, "Hey, we can't charge her with any of these things cuz it's only circumstantial evidence, but she definitely screwed you out of some money, dude." So, yeah. Uh she <laughs> but he didn't leave it at that. He decided to write a book about it. He, claiming to bring awareness to global sex trafficking, right? So he right. writes this novel about it, um, which is completely, you know, defamatory towards his ex-wife, who is a swindler, to to be fair, and this Royce Rocco guy, who he doesn't even hardly know. And after that, he decides, well, what happens to Paul T. Goldman next? <laughs> 
the character in his book. <laughs> <laughs> so he writes the Paul T. Chronicles. Oh my God. Yes. So there are several novels called the Paul T. Chronicles where he goes around uh, with like some another secret spy guy. I'm not even going to bother looking it up. And he goes around the world like they shoot. I think they shoot. It, some of the scenes on location in Prague and stuff in these different places that he oh wrote that God. this shit was going on. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. Um, I'm trying. The director of this is Jason uh, Woliner, and he basically uh, he read all of these things that Paul wrote and eventually contacted him. And was like, listen, I've I've read everything that you wrote. <laughs> I I'm way in the rabbit yeah. hole, man. <laughs> He said, I want to meet you. I want to talk about making your screenplay that you're trying to get. Oh, made. my God. But, you know, Jason Woliner made it into this expose about Paul T. Goldman instead. This very gotcha. interesting, okay. probably diluted man. And <laughs> it, it's just, just the way this show unravels is so interesting, man. Because the first episode, you're like... This is a strange guy. And you're like, oh, he, he stumbled onto something weird. And then you're like, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it is something else, man. I, I can't recommend it enough. I know a lot of people are talking about it. Uh, I give it a face and a half. It is just so strange. Uh, and it's true crime kind of thing kind of yeah uh and you know Everybody i i do that. like that myself um but yeah. it's just so strange he is the strangest man they do uh, at several times call him the nicest and most difficult man that they've ever met several people in, in the show that's a uh, it's very fascinating i don't think i'll watch it but i my recommend God, what a, it what a roller coaster <laughs> yeah that sounds like a roller coaster ride. <laughs> oh, it sure is. It sure is. Uh, and, and you know what's even more interesting about it is that when they got the when they premiered the show, they filmed Paul T. Goldman's reaction, and that's in the last episode. That's that's basically the second half of the last episode is uh, Jason Walliner, yeah, getting his reaction about the, his own show. And he's like, well, I'm not exactly excited with the direction that you took it in, but I'm on TV. (laughs) (laughs) My God. I'm glad they went meta. But it's not, though. It's real life. (laughs) (laughs) But it's not at the same time. I don't know. It's so confusing. It's it's, it's it's weird, man. Yeah, I'll pass on it though. I know you recommend it, but that, it sounds too much like Tiger King for me. <laughs> yeah, like, it does have that ring to it, except for he's a lot less harmful. That's true. Yeah, and and I'll, honestly, I feel that Paul T. Goldman, in the process of making this project with Jason Walliner, grew as a person. Oh, J- well, that's fair. Then. J- Jason really did a lot to reach out to him as a friend. To try to very kindly, very softly prod him in the direction of, hey, maybe these guys aren't aren't bad people, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, fuck, man. All right, I'll I'll try to quickly wrap us up here with my last film that I yes. caught just two days ago. Oh boy. Uh, I'll I'll 
I'll do it like I did cocaine because it's cocaine bear. <laughs> cocaine bear, baby. Uh, it's it's the it's the biggest movie in the box office right now. Everybody's uh-huh. loving it. It's gonna it's gonna make the most money ever in the world. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> it's a comedy comedy horror film. It's billed as a comedy horror. I think it's really hilarious because it's more just comedy and gore. Uh, like sure. there's not really a horror aspect to it other than the fact that it's bloody yeah, as it's fuck just, off. just don't take your and, kids is what they're saying <laughs> yeah yeah don't take your kids it's not it's not suitable for the kids uh but the adults will sure laugh at it and you know I, honestly it's a dumbass movie it's really fucking <laughs> stupid but i had such a fun time that um I, I i do recommend it uh it's directed by elizabeth banks which is very surprising to me i thought she was acting in it turns out she's directing it uh, what turned her onto the project? I have no fucking clue, but it's it's that's great stuff. Uh, Phil Lord and uh, Christopher Miller were producers on it. They're the Lego Movie guys. Um, they've done so much more beyond Lego Movie, of course, but that's uh, that's specifically what I know them for. Hold on a second, I gotta check this message. Okay, yeah, so they 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 just produced it. I don't think they really had much else beyond that. Um, it stars a lot of people. I'm not really gonna go too far into like all sure. the cast. Uh, the big, the big ones that I know are O'Shea Jackson Jr. and Alden Ehrenreich. They they play this uh, a couple of people who are they're, they're drug dealers and uh, their boss cocaine. is the great okay. Ray Liotta. Yeah, yeah, cocaine specifically. Uh, and their boss is the great Ray Liotta. Um, sadly okay. passed away. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of yeah it's kind of sad because this movie is dedicated in memory to Ray Liotta. I don't oh, know if it was no. his last movie. But it's just like you go from Goodfellas to Cocaine Bear. Like his his <laughs> career is just sandwiched. Hey, you know they always do that though. If somebody dies before it's produced, right, uh, or yeah. published, rather. it's just it's just it, like at the end it popped up and said in memoriam for Ray Liotta, and I was just like, ooh, <laughs> I was like, yeah. no, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah I had forgotten he'd passed because that one honestly was surprising because he's not that he wasn't that old. No, no, he wasn't that old. Very sad. He's really great. But the, the, their cocaine dealers, their cocaine was dumped over the, the Tennessee Forest area, uh, National Park or whatever. Uh-huh. And the dude who the dude who dumped it uh, jumped out of the plane um, and died because he had uh-huh. a non-functioning parachute. That stuff actually happened in real life. Oh. This guy, this guy, this guy dumped out this his cocaine over this forest. Yeah, well, some of it is. And they later found a bear dead from a heart attack after consuming a shit ton of cocaine. The bear did not go on a rampage. But in this movie, the bear goes on a rampage. (laughs) This is a what if. This is Marvel's what if. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of people in this park. There's the park ranger. There's the, you know, a guy who's inspecting the park. There's people, there's a couple who are hiking. There's a, a woman, Carrie Russell, is looking for her daughter who's gone missing in the woods because she was one of the, the bears, you know, first people that attacked. She, she survives, I will say. She's a, you know, like a Girl Scout running away, you know, does a good job. But like, that's, that's the main beef of the story is this mom trying to find her daughter. And then these two drug dealers, uh, Alden Ehrenreich and O'Shea Jackson Jr. Alden is the the guy who did uh, Han Solo and the Solo story. Okay. So it's like they're trying to find it. Alden's dealing with his own emotional issues. His his wife just passed away, and he, you know his daughter is staying with Ray Liotta. Uh, Ray Liotta is his father, so it's just like you know he's the son of this great drug dealer, but he's just like man, I just <laughs> like 
you know, sorry, Ray Liotta's not playing himself. He's playing a guy named Sid. Yeah, but, yeah, that's... You know, he's the... <laughs> Ray Liotta, <laughs> the yeah, best drug dealer. The best drug dealer. But no, yeah, it, it literally is just, is, you know, people in this forest getting attacked by a bear that's just consumed way too much cocaine. Everybody in the film knows what the what they're making. They know the film that they're making. They know it's stupid, but they all have a good time. Uh, it never it never tries to be a good movie. It just tries to be a fun movie, and it, it succeeds at that. It's good. It's pretty damn stupid, but man, is the gore great. The the bear is funny as fuck. I mean, the action's not always the greatest, like the CGI that is. I mean, the effects, but you know, I feel like in the last few years, effects have gone down yeah they really have but i mean also i don't think i had a bunch of a budget it was like 30 million dollars and i think it's it's so far made 30 million dollars did it it's cocaine berry yeah (laughs) yeah you don't you don't need it to be anything more than it is the kills are funny and in like it it really is kind of sad how you're rooting for all these people to die because it's like they're not all bad people but at the same time you're really just wanting to watch this bear have fun yeah and like it and and you get that you do you do get the experience this bear just go to fucking town on some people and the story is honestly not that riveting and they spend a little too much time in the story and not much time on cocaine bear but the amount they do spend on cocaine bear is worth the ticket so i give it a fun two and a half stars well that's fun i do want to see it but i think i'm gonna wait for it to be on the small screen sometime yeah Uh, i don't recommend the theaters for it Though I I do appreciate that it exists. <laughs> yep, I do too. Yeah, it was it was fun. Me and me and the the individuals I went to see it had a blast. And we walked out and we're just like we were laughing and grinning like idiots because it was like it's stupid, but man, is it fun? Stupid. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, it's good to have those. You know, we're in a time period of history where we need shit like that for sure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, agreed. Well, and that's it. I think yep, that's been the show. That's been the it's show. Been a long Good one, thing, because but... my phone's about to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for tuning in, patrons. We love you so much. Sorry this one's a bit of a long one, but I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, he is the Faceless Leon. And they are the Green Traveler from Gorsh. Safe travels and good riddance. <laughs>